I have some really exciting news for listeners of the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Most people think lifestyle investing is about making more money or creating additional passive income streams. And while that is part of it, the most savvy lifestyle investors understand that having a solid tax strategy is fundamental and really foundational to creating wealth. I firmly believe that having the right tax strategy is the single best investment that you can make. I know tax strategy isn't the sexiest topic, but once you understand a few key elements to the IRS playbook, the compounding benefit you receive year after year is enormously significant. In fact, we have members inside the Lifestyle Investor Mastermind who have used these strategies and have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, millions of dollars. This is not a nice to have if you're interested in growing your wealth. This is a must. In our brand new tax strategy masterclass, I have hand-selected and shared the details of the 28 most valuable strategies to help you increase your tax savings this year and for years to come. Plus, if you want to hire a top-tier tax strategist, it can easily set you back tens of thousands of dollars, if not more. And you want to make sure that you have the best, most accurate information to ensure that you're hiring the right person for you. That's why we included a whole section with advice, resources, and multiple interviews with my personal tax specialists to help you build a bulletproof tax team, but for a fraction of the cost. The entire tax strategy masterclass was designed for people like you who want to keep more of their hard-earned money without having to sift through the complicated tax code. If you're interested, head over to lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax to learn more about the course or set up a free consultation call with our team at lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash consultation. Again, that's lifestyleinvestor.com forward slash tax. Welcome to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. Imagine being able to earn passive income, build long-term wealth, while gaining total freedom from your business or job. That's what lifestyle investing is all about. I'm your host, Justin Donald, and in less than two years, my investments drove enough passive income for both my wife and me to quit our jobs. And now I want to show you how to do the same. I want to teach you how to create wealth without creating a job. You'll learn the exact same investment strategies I use to multiply my net worth to over eight figures all before the age of 40. If you want to learn all about low-risk cash flow investing, achieve financial freedom, and live the life you truly desire, this podcast is going to show you exactly how to do it. Today, I'm talking to Rob Dial. Rob is a motivational speaker, coach, and content creator who has inspired millions of people around the world. I actually first met Rob back when he was only 19 years old selling Cutco. This is where he got his start in sales and discovered a passion for personal growth. Rob quickly moved up in the company, and by 24, he owned and operated a multi-million dollar office where he trained over 2,000 sales representatives. Throughout that time, he taught personal development to his team and saw just how much it impacted their lives. By 2015, Rob had left the corporate world and launched the Mindset and Motivation podcast, which hit number one on iTunes in six categories and accumulated over 1 million downloads in the first 12 months. He has since built an international audience of over 1.5 million followers and is on a mission to help people realize their true potential. In this conversation, Rob and I talk about the path he took to get to where he is today, what it takes to find your passion and purpose in life, and how to build a multi-million dollar business without becoming a slave to it. One more thing before we get to today's interview. If you haven't already, be sure to hit the subscribe button on Apple or wherever you listen so new episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. Thanks for listening, and without further delay, my conversation with Rob Dial. Let's jump in. So let's kind of take this back a ways. How did you get to, and, and if you can share kind of what you're doing today, 
so that my audience and my viewers can uh, understand your life. You have built an incredible life and I'm excited to learn more about it and how you got there. Yeah. So, so I originally met you or knew of you through Cutco. So I sold Cutco. I, I started in 2016 when I was 19 years old. I hired a mentor when I was 19 and I was our mutual friend, Hal Alrod. And I paid him 500 bucks a month to be my one-on-one coach. And it was him and his best friend, John Berghoff. So that was a pretty damn good deal knowing both of them now and even knowing them then. And so I hired both of them to be my coach, life coach, sales coach, all of that stuff. And uh, I moved up through the ranks of Cutco. I was the pilot sales manager there. So I ran the office in Tampa. Uh, after I ran the office in Tampa, I went and moved down and we won two silver cups when I was there. So we were the number one office in the United States there and then moved to Fort Lauderdale and opened my own office. And I got kind of burnt out as a lot of people do. I was obsessed with being the best. And so once I hit number one in the region, I was like, okay, I feel like I've done what I want to do. And I just ended up leaving. And so I left the company and uh, I went into just normal traditional sales, corporate sales. So I went from being my own boss, running my own office to then working for someone else for five years. And I was like, this sucks. Like it literally, it's terrible to go from being your own boss to working for someone else because you just, for me, it was like, it was just soul sucking to do it. And so as I was working at these places here in Austin, I was in Tampa for a little while. I quit that job after a year and a half. I went and backpack Europe for three months by myself and then immediately moved here and had never been here knew only one person here and moved here, fell in love with it, started another... I was with another business, two other businesses when I was here. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so I started researching how to make money online and all these different ways. And so first thing I did was start an Amazon business because I felt like that was a pretty easy way to just start a business. And and I was in Jason's Deli with my girlfriend. And I still remember the moment where I was like, I don't know if it was in my head where I was like, everybody seems miserable here, or if it was actually that way, where just there were people that were just screaming at their kids and they were severely overweight and they looked depressed. And it was like this, this moment when I turned to Lauren and I was like, I need, I'm going to start a podcast. And she's like, all right. Like podcasts weren't a thing six years ago. Like they were not what they are now. Like now it's like everybody has a podcast, but then it was like, Nobody really listened to podcasts like they did. And I didn't even know how to listen to them. And so I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And she's like, why? And I was like, well, I feel like I have so much information that I can give people. Because at that point, I was still in the personal moment, still reading, still growing, still going to conferences, still learning. And I felt like I had knowledge that I was obligated to teach to other people as far as like how I improved my life from where I came from. And backstory on me is, you know, I had an alcoholic father who passed away when I was 15 and had to deal with all of that and the stuff that comes with it. So I felt like coming from where I came from, I was able to build a pretty good life at that point and had a great mindset. And I was like, I think I could teach this to people. So uh, I started it in August of 2015. So it's been almost six years I've had the podcast now. 900 episodes. I think we're about to eclipse 900 episodes. So it's three times a week. Actually, it's four times a week. And it's about to go to five times a week. So literally, Constant creation is, is what I'm trying to do. And yeah, and it's grown. And then, you know, grew, started making videos on Facebook because I wanted to get the message out there more. Because when I first started podcasting, nobody knew what it was. And so when I was like, people are like, what do you do? I was like, I run a coaching business and I run a podcast. It was like, what is a podcast and how do I listen to them? That was usually what people said. I was like, I need to go where everybody is. And at that point in time, everybody was on Facebook and Facebook kind of dwindled down. I think Instagram is more of the big thing now. And so I was like, I need to figure out how to get basically a podcast and the messages that I'm giving and how I can take that and put it into a video form and make that go viral. So then I started making viral videos and got obsessed with it. And uh, I mean, we're probably at about like 1.5 billion views with a B, which is pretty cool on that. And so from there, I was able to grow a following. We have about 2.5 million people, 2.7 million people that follow me on Facebook. And then from there, I was able to start transferring people who followed me to find out my podcasts exist. So I basically started the podcast, grew the following on Facebook and Instagram, and then started bringing Facebook and Instagram people to my podcast for my podcast to grow. So it was like, you know, we did a million downloads the first year, which is, which is big. But now at this point, this month, we're going to pass 4 million for the first time downloads this month. So it was, it took five years to get to 50 million downloads. And within the next 12 months, we should do another 50 million downloads. I'm thinking. That's incredible. And it's fun hearing the story because when you started making your videos, these viral videos, I didn't even know you had a podcast then. And that's probably because podcasts weren't you know, as big and people didn't listen to them the same way that they did. And access to the podcasts, you know, there's a little bit of a hurdle. 
And so it's neat hearing the backstory of all that you had going on behind the scenes, but you built out another channel to create the following to actually pull people into your podcast world. Yeah, 100%. So I was like, at that point in time, I didn't want to spend any money into it because I didn't know if it was going to work. So I was like, how can I get people to come and listen? My podcast called The Mindset Mentor. How can I get people to listen to The Mindset Mentor that don't know who it is? And podcasting is not really easy to be found. Like it's there's especially now there's 1.7 million podcasts. If you go into iTunes, try to search for it. And I was like, I don't know how people are going to find me. And I was like, the only way to be found... I mean, there's there's just so much value in having a following, right? Whatever you want to do. So like I had a day Amazon business and then you know I was like, I'm not passionate about this. I want to do coaching. And so I've been doing coaching because we did that all throughout Cutco. That's all we did was coach people all day long. That was, our, that was our job. And so it was an easy transition for me. I was like, oh, I can definitely do this. And so started the coaching business and then every time I've decided to do something different, a different course, we have a few different courses that we have now, I could easily just promote it to my following and also to my podcast. So all of everything I've built, the company I've built, everything, there's been no Facebook ads. I never bought followers on Facebook or Instagram or any of that stuff. I was just able to figure out with human psychology what people like and then be able to create content that they would like. So therefore, they want to follow me. And then when they follow me, it's about making them aware of you know, my podcast so they can start listening to it that way. Or if they want to be able to buy one of my products down the road, they can buy my products down the road because they've been following me for a while. Very cool. Now, tell me a little bit about the Amazon business. So is this one that you just decided to close the doors on? Did you sell it? What did you end up doing with that business? And what was it? So we were selling foam rollers and we were crushing it. So we sold in our first 30 days, we sold a thousand foam rollers and we ran out like fast. And I was like, oh my God, we got to get more from China. So we got them all made. We had them all. I mean, these are like really like we went through tons and tons and tons of different ones to find the one that was like the highest quality because I didn't want to just have crappy products. So then we had to have it shipped back over and we, started, we were selling a lot. And then I realized that I was putting a lot of time into my coaching business and I was putting a lot of time into my Amazon business. And I was looking at both of them and I had this moment where I was literally sitting in Starbucks and I was working on this stuff for Amazon and, and getting people to follow and learn about that product. And I, I had this moment where I was like, okay, I don't think both of these are going to win. You know, like they could both win, depends on which one I want to go for. But they're not going to win unless I put 100% into one of them. Like I can't put 50, 50, 70, 30, none of that stuff. And so I was like, if I fast forward 10 years from today, and this is probably 2016, beginning of 2016. If I fast forward 10 years from today, do I want to be known as the Amazon guy or do I want to be known as the guy who's helping people? And I was like, I just want to be known as the guy who's helping people. And it's interesting because like I never would have thought that the business would be where it is now. I had a feeling, but I thought it would have taken 10 years to get to the point that it is. But the first year, the business, we did about $80,000, $85,000. Then it grew to a couple hundred. And now we're on track to probably about $5 million this year. But I don't think it ever would have gotten anywhere near that if I wouldn't have let go of Amazon business. So we literally just shut the doors down. We're like, when we run out of this run of products, we're just going to be done with it. My business partner, Dean, and that product is now my business partner here and what I do now. But at that point in time, he was like, yeah, I want to go into real estate. So he started getting really hardcore into real estate. And it was best for both of us to just let it go. And yeah, it was it. We just let it go. It was Busy Buddha was the name of the company. Wow, that's so cool. And it's neat to have a working business that you could keep doing it. But It wasn't about the money. It was about something else. And I think that that in itself is a cool story because I I teach and coach people the same way on it not being about the money, that once money is taken care of, then it's so easy to focus on what it is that either A, you have gifts in or B, that you're most passionate about or C, likely both combined. And so it's neat to see that you can make that decision, even in the face of some income, that you're just going to shut the doors and then pursue what it was that uh, you're best equipped to do and what you enjoy most. Yeah. The thing that people don't realize whenever they try to, to grow a business is you can struggle your way to success. I've done it before. And I know a lot of people who have done it. Like You can struggle your way to success and force yourself. Like When I had my Cutco business, I did struggle. Like I was working 110 hours a week. I was putting everything I could into it. And I would be considered a success in that business, right? But I started falling out of love with all of the aspects of running the office and doing the trainings and doing the interviews and stuff. But when I left, the thing that I that stuck with me was like, I love teaching people. And I feel like without tuning my own heart, I feel like I'm really, really good at teaching people. By the way, I can vouch for the fact yeah. that you're really <laughs> good at teaching and coaching people. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about any tooting of own horn. You're, you're good there. Yeah. What people tell me is like, I'm good at taking really complex things and making them easy to understand. And I feel like I can do that too. And so 
for me, I was like, when I left and I was in Jason's Deli, I was like, I just miss teaching people. Like that was what it was for me is I just, I love getting on stage, all of that. I love content creation. I love those things. So with me, the way to become successful is hard work. And you can either hate your, your life as you're doing it and push yourself and push yourself. And you can make, there's people that do it all the time, make millions and billions of dollars, but they hate what they do. They're not a fan of it, whatever it is. Or you're going to, you can work really hard by doing something that you love, but as cliches are cliches because they're true, when you literally do something that you love, you don't feel like you're working, right? So they say, when you do something that you love, you'll never work another day in your life. Like when I say I make three podcast episodes, actually now it's four and it's about to be five. Like for me, it doesn't feel like work. Like I love doing this. I love setting up. I love recording. I love getting everything together in the aspect of, you know, what the shots look like and what the sound looks like and putting all of it together. Like I love the aspect of just creating. And I think that everybody has a creator inside of them in some sort of way, whether it's through art, whether it's through, you know, music, whether it's through writing, whether it's through we're getting an interior designer that's doing this house. Like that's art, you know, they have a cool job. And so they love what they do, the interior designers of this house. And I think that everybody should find something that they love to do because if you do something that you love, it doesn't feel like you're working. Like it literally just feels like an extension of you, right? My my real good friend was over here. I was just telling you about it. He was here yesterday and he's obsessed with wine. He's a level two sommelier. He's going to level three and he's going to go to level four and he's obsessed with wine. And I was like, uh, this should be your business. Like, and the reason why is because he reads books about wine and he handed it to me one time and he was like, look at what region this is from. And I was like, I don't actually care. Like this is, this doesn't interest <laughs> me at all, but it tastes really good. Right. That's the only thing that I really care about, but he is so into it. I'm like, this is perfect because you're going to get really good at this. Your knowledge is going to surpass 99.9% .9 of people on the earth. And when you get to that, you become an authority in that space. And you will work really hard to build whatever business that you want to around that. And it won't feel like work because you're doing something around wine, which is what he loves. Mine is personal development, human you know, interaction. And I, I just love people and trying to figure them out. And so for anyone that's out there, it's like, well, I always say this in every single podcast where I talk about passion and purpose, like a lot of people listening are like, I don't know what it is that's my passion or my purpose in life. Like that is a big issue with a lot of people. And I always say it's completely cool not to know what your purpose is but it's not okay to not be in constant search for your purpose every single day. So if someone's listening and they don't know their purpose, they don't know what lights them up, well, then their freaking job every day should be if they go to a 95, that can be your, your, your side gig. Your job should be, I need to find what it is that I love to do in this world. Because if you decide to do that, you come alive. And then somehow... Lots of people are like, you know what? I'm going to start a business on the side of this. I'm going to start this little side business. I have friends that started a business around a game. And uh, he happens to know a lot about marketing, growing followings and stuff. But he started a business around this game called Warhammer 40,000. Have you ever heard of it? No. Oh my God. It's so weird. It's, I don't want to say it's weird because I don't want to offend anybody. But it's the craziest thing. It's literally a board game that's like 20 feet by 20 feet. It's huge. And the pieces are like, you know, massive, right? And they, the games can last like two to four to six hours. Wow. And so he literally was like, you know what? I'm going to build a following and I'm going to build... Like He just loves games. And so he literally took cameras and just started live streaming for hours on YouTube. And he didn't get this massive following, but the people who were hardcore in it became hardcore fans of his. And then the first year, he did like $150,000. That's not like not a lot of money, you know, like that's, that's what three times more than the average household in America makes on right. average. Right. So it's like, but it's only because he's passionate about it. He's going to do it anyways. I'm going to learn anyways about personal development and you know, the human brain, all that stuff. My friend's going to learn about wine anyways. You might as well take that knowledge, teach the people who are also interested in those things and, you know, start to build a following. And if you build a following, eventually you can figure out how to make a business out of it. Totally. And I couldn't agree with you more because I've done the same thing in the investment world. And I would call what I do both lifestyle and investing, because to me, I think it's important to figure out how you can stop being a slave to the money that you make and to the business that you have and uh, to measuring the amount of income that you earn based on the equation of time. And so to me, I think figuring out that mystery and that puzzle to have assets that produce income so that you don't have to have your time produce income, meaning you can have your time produce whatever you want, your passions that don't have to make you money, they can make you money. But what's the thing that you do all the time, right? And that's what it was. When I took a year off and my family traveled the world and, and we just had the most fun, I found that the two things that I constantly did is I looked at investment deals and I coached my friends to financial freedom. And so with that same Cutco background, you know, I always have loved coaching people. 
And so what you're saying is spot on. And that's how the whole lifestyle investor brand became what it is. It's because this is what I was doing anyway. And my friends wanted to kind of jump on and see what we were doing and see if they could join in on some of the deals. And so there are a couple of things. Number one, I love that you have moments in your life that trigger, like you, you just remember, I was in this Starbucks or I was in this, you know, Jason's Deli. And it's, it's, I mean, you have these defining moments that just are hard to forget. And then you've been able to develop this business, coach other people into developing their businesses, which is incredible. And you're doing a lot of work all over the globe. This isn't just here in Austin where we live. I mean, you've got followers in virtually every country. I mean, you, you've got a very, you know, tons of people here in the US, but very international following, which is cool. And then you're helping these individuals kind of do the thing that you're already doing. So I'm curious, big picture, what what does this look like in five to 10 years or more? Actually, I'm not attached to it anyway. That's the crazy thing about it. So it's funny because I am like the goal person, right? I've always been really big on goals. And so when I sit down with my goals, I'm like, my main goal is just how can I create better content? Like, So my goal for this year is, is literally how can I just give more, whether that's give more time, give more money, donate create more content, whatever I can do to give more. Because the thing that I found is that the more that you give, the more that you get. I'm like, I'm just... You get to a point where it's like, all of this is... I feel like life is just a game, right? And for some people, they kind of suffer and struggle through it because they don't release themselves from the game, I guess you could say, and see it as it is. And so for me, it's like, I have things that are happening at all times. So like, it's not like, I'm just like, oh, nothing's going on. Like I'm in the middle of writing a book right now. We're in the middle of pitching it. Uh, we're supposed to be pitching it this week to go to actual traditional publishers. So writing a book right now, and then that's going to be coming out next year. And then for us, it's like growing our mastermind is another big goal. But for me, it's like, I have this vision and I don't know why I always have it, but it's been popping up for a while now. And I've been telling this to people and it seems to be something that's kind of starting to come true is... In 2026, I'll be on stage with in front of 5,000 people. I don't know whose 5,000 people they're going to be. I'm, I have the feeling that they're going to be mine, but it's just not 2026 yet. Like I just have to keep doing what I'm doing now, and it's eventually going to be that way, right? People are always like, "Oh, do you want to be as big as Tony Robbins?" I'm like, uh, I don't want to have to have security everywhere I want to go. Like I, I don't, I don't want it to be that way. But I, I feel I have no need or ego want to get to that level. But I have the feeling it will probably get to that level. But I'm not doing it out of a place of lack or no self-worth or any of those types of things. I'm just trying to provide value as much as I can. You know, there's a lot of pain in the world that people have that they go through. And pain is inevitable. Like you can't go through this world without getting some sort of scars, but suffering is optional. And there's a lot of people that have gone through pain, traumas, things in their past, and they're still suffering from it instead of figuring out how to become released from it and start to create the life that they want. So for me, it's like. I feel like a, a lot of the people that I've taught, a lot of the things that I've, you know, people that I've helped have relieved them from suffering. So I feel like I've kind of got like, like a tool, right? And I'm like, this tool helps so many people. Why would I not try to give this tool to as many people, you know? And for me, it's like, there aren't any real goals like of where I need to be. It's just how can I continue to wake up and love what I'm doing? And creating is what I love to do. Like, I happen to be a creator that does all of these things. Like, so, Chris will tell you, Chris is behind camera. Like, I send her videos and I'm like, oh shit, do you see how this is shot? Like, we should try this. This should be something cool to do. Like, I actually have another idea for you, Chris. Then we have some more ideas. I have more ideas of things I want to do. Like, I want to create videos of just giving to people and just not because I want people like, oh my God, look at this guy. He's giving and stuff like that. Because I want people to be like, you know what? I should buy the coffee behind me for someone at Starbucks. And to have those types of videos go viral will have people go, you know what? Maybe I should do something nice for someone else. Maybe this worldview would be better. Maybe people would feel less divided the left or the right or color of their skin or gender of all these things where we're being divided in different ways and just be like, hey, I can just love everybody no matter what they believe in, no matter what their opinion is, no matter what they look like, no matter what they, how they were raised, any of that stuff. And so for me, it's like, I only see myself as a person that creates content to help people remove them from suffering, but also to make them feel better about what it is they're doing and see if maybe they can help somebody else. Like the way I end every single podcast, 900 of them, is make it your mission, make somebody else's day better. That's it. That's all I want to do. And if I can keep preaching that to other people, I think the world will start to become a better place. Where it's going to be in five years, I don't know, but it's going to be pretty damn big. That's all I know. From from where it was five years ago to where it is now, and if I keep just keep going on the trajectory that it is, I think there'll be a couple more books. There'll be some big old conferences. There'll be all of that stuff. Well, we're on the same page on that. And I, I love hearing you speak about that. And 
how can we make the world a better place using our gifts? How can we make the world a better place? Uh, really kind of engaging with people from all walks of life. I think that that's incredible. By the way, side note, I've got some great context for you in the book world. So uh, book launch, editing team, you know, the whole nine yards. Just I was so impressed with my team and we've just had great success with uh, the Lifestyle Investor book, as, as you probably already know. So just let me know who you want and I'm happy to connect you. Yeah, you crushed it. For having not gone into this world and then go into New York or uh, onto Wall Street Journal bestseller, like that's a pretty damn big deal. It's kind of crazy because this is not my uh, world, right? Like I, I don't have this huge following like a lot of people that are on my podcast like you. Uh, and I you know, have not spent a lot of time in this influencer space. And so it, it was very rewarding to see how my network and community really showed up to support the book and to support the message and just the good that has come from it from a charitable standpoint. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, obviously, you've been a lot of support in the growth of, of that and my online presence. So thank you for your thoughts. Yeah. Well, what was cool about it was watching you take a year off because I was like, I just love Justin because literally you're like, I'm just going to go learn this year. And you just went to every conference, even if it made no sense, because of the fact that you were just like, I want to learn and see if maybe I can meet people or do things and come aware of like what you did in that year is the same thing I think everybody should do if they're in that situation where they don't know their passion, right? Now, obviously they might not be able to take a year off, but most conferences happen over the weekend. Like if you work a job, you could take two weeks of PTO, sure, then you could travel somewhere or you could be like, listen, I could use this year to completely free myself from the rat race, right? And do what you did, which is like, all right, you know, there's this conference is Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Like you went to, you know, traffic and conversions, which is like a marketing one. You met people out there and it's like you could have found something that would have been like, oh my God, this is huge for me. If you didn't know what your passion was, but the cool thing was eventually your passion popped up and you're like, oh, it is investing. I am obsessed with investing. The stuff that you are reading and, and getting into was your passion. I wouldn't do it because I'm not passionate about it. Like I need to figure out, like I've got, got, it's a good thing I have friends like you that can then help me in this way. But then it's like when you, you find out like there's a thing that I love to do and if I was doing nothing else, like if money was no object or if, if I didn't have to do something, go into a job, what would we do with my time? And if for you, I'm sure money feels like a game or it's like a fun game that you get to... You wake up and play a game every single day in, in different ways. That makes you feel good. And it's like, everybody's got something that they love. And if somebody doesn't know what they love, I would love for everyone to listen to your podcast and go, you know what? I do have 14 days of PTO this, this year, 20 days of PTO this year. I could go on a vacation with my family for a week. And then that other week, you know what I could do? I could... Or two weeks, depending on how much time you have... I could go to this conference, this conference, this conference, and then just see what comes up. Like the way that I learned to do what I do and to get good was number one, going to all these conferences, learning from all of these people, and having my mind blown. Where I was like, people are doing making money doing that. Like I, I was just, I had my mind blown at so many different conferences, and, and I was like, that's where I really was open up to. There's literally a million ways to make a million dollars. There's probably more. And you go to these conferences, you meet these people, and then like a little bit of someone's talk goes, oh my God, that connects to me. I could do that. And then you meet somebody, and I met so many people at all these conferences, which is a huge benefit of it, that expanded my mindset. Like I know that if I had not gone to uh, Funnel Hacking Live four years ago and met a friend of mine named David, that I would not have my business be where it is now because of the fact that he had a business, the same business as me, very similar, but about three years ahead. And so I was able to see what the next three years were looking like for me. And I was able to look at a blueprint and ask him questions and go, oh, I like what he does here. I would probably do something different here. And I literally was able to see his business and mentally build mine behind his. And then literally, I, my business is where his was three years ago. Like That's kind of the way that it works. And so it's cool to be in those positions where you start to meet people and then they open your mindset. You know, and then I would say last year, you know, I joined an, another mastermind that I'm a part of. And there was a guy that I met that was at that conference. And he told me something he was doing, which was similar to mine. And it opened up a new part of my business because I wasn't doing the same thing he was. Like I took that little piece, like a puzzle piece, and I locked it in place. And I was like, oh my God, my business probably got, you know, maybe doubled because of just knowing him. But had I not put myself out there and gone to these different things, I don't think I'd be any, my, my business would be anywhere near where it is. And I think it's the phrase like, no man is an island. I would not have the business I am. I wouldn't have the following I have unless I connect with these people. And so I think that if people are out there and they don't know what they want, take the year like you took and then have a transition period. People are always like, I can't quit my job right away. 
if you don't have to quit your job right away, like give yourself, if you don't love what you do, find out what it is and then give your go, okay, I'm going to give myself a transition time. Two years. By this date, I'm going to be doing XYZ, whatever that thing is. And so I think it's like for me, I teach coaches. And so a lot of the people that are coaches have never been coaches before, ever. And so, but they've, they're really passionate about something, right? They're passionate about helping people in relationships. They're passionate about personal development and fitness and nutrition. And we've got everything, swimming, swim coaches. We've got divorce coaches. We've got death coaches for grieving and going through those. And they're people who usually have a full-time job, but they're super passionate about this one thing. And that's what they spend all of their time doing when they're not at that job. And they're like, how can I make money helping people go through these situations? Whether it's learning to swim, going through a divorce, getting the relationship better, fitness, all of that. And if people can find that thing, that missing puzzle piece and lock it in a place and then just surround themselves with people who are in the similar category, like life just gets way better. Totally. And and the opportunities are endless. Yeah. These different businesses that people can come up with in the area that they're already good at or a new area that they just want to become good at. It's truly endless. And I just I love how you spoke about how anyone can do it, whether they have a job, they have their business, wh- whatever situation they're in, they can choose to go to conferences or to go to boot camps or go to whatever it is. And I've gone to a ton, as I know you have. And I mean, that that's the name of the game. And I, I joke with people all the time. When I went to Traffic and Conversion Summit, uh, the first time, I think there were 6,000 people there. And I said, I'm probably 5,999 or 6,000 in uh, like knowledge of online anything. Like I, I really felt like I was the most novice person in that room. But there are two things you get. You get the education from the people that are speaking and you get the connections from the people you engage with. And both are incredibly valuable and go figure, today, I'm utilizing all these things that I learned about when I didn't even have a business. I didn't even think I was going to do what I'm doing today. It's fascinating. So I, I just, I'm a huge believer in being a lifelong learner. And to me, that's just always going to be a core principle of who I am and, and what my life's going to be about. And you said earlier that your goals have changed. You used to be this goal setter and you'd want to accomplish these things. You'd write them down. And I've been very disciplined about that in my life as well, where every year I go through, uh, my, my wife and I do like our, our planning day and we do this with our daughter now as well on a separate day for her. And it, it was interesting this year being one of the first years where I realized that I don't feel like I need to check the boxes like I used to. But what I do feel like I need to do is become who it is that I want to be. Like, who do I, what virtues do I want to embody more? Where am I lacking? How can I surround myself with people that have those? And how can I learn to be, you know, a more well-rounded person, a more knowledgeable person? So that to me is very inspiring. People always want to set goals around their business and around how much money, but people rarely want to make characteristic goals of who they want to be as a character, as a person, right? And I always think it's really important to think. I think about death all the time. And I think it's important to think about death. And the reason why is because the more you think about it, the more you realize your time is going to end. But the reason why it's important to think about as well, besides death giving you the urgency to get things done that you want to and you know bring your potential to the world or just out to your family, whatever it is that you, you're going to be doing, is... What do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Right? Like if if you were to go, oh, I don't know what people, I don't know what characters I want to bring out of myself. And you're sitting there you're like, who do I want to be? I want to be nice, I want to be giving, but you're kind of like surface level with it. If you're sitting there in the crowd of your eulogy, what do you want every single person to be saying about you? Right? And that is the character traits that you should you should try to work for and build into yourself. And you write them down. And then the simplest thing to do is wake up every single morning in the same way that you get in your car. Like we're in Austin, Texas right now. If we want to go to Houston, I don't know how to get directly to Houston. I could probably figure it out. But if I want to get there quicker, I just put it in my GPS. My phone will go, okay, Rob is here. He wants to go here. And this is the direct way that we're going to go. Wake up every single morning and set your GPS for who you want to be as a person. Okay, I want to be more kind. I want to be more loving. I want to be more giving. And then you look back and you're like, I, I kind of messed that up last week. There were certain parts where I didn't do as well. I didn't do as well as I could have yesterday. And you're not going to be perfect, but you wake up every single day and you're basically setting your GPS for who you want to be as a person. And eventually, if you just do that every single day, your characteristics will start to change. You'll start to make different decisions. If you decide to be more loving, you're going to stop screaming at people on the road. You're going to you know, be a little bit nicer around the, the people who are you know, taking a little bit extra longer at Starbucks, whatever it is. And those characteristics and those character traits are going to be built into you simply because you wake up every single morning and say, who do I want to be as a person? 
That's awesome. I love that. That is just gold. It reminds me of a time that we were hanging out at South by Southwest and we just had some incredible conversations and uh, I had so much fun. We were connecting. We were going to, you know, some of the different sessions. We kind of pulled out, went to, I think we were, went to go grab some food or went on a walk. And it was neat because at that point in time, you were doing a lot of traveling and we haven't even gotten into this. We, we could do a whole episode just on the places that you traveled around the world because you're one of the most well-traveled people that, you know, I hang out with and, and I love travel, as you know, and uh, you have done just a masterful job with it and you've been able to take your business with you wherever you go. It's interesting, though, we haven't traveled as much this last year and I'm sure that you're excited to go somewhere. I am. You know, I just got back from Puerto Rico, which was really nice. And I went to Vegas for March Madness. So that was really cool. So, you know, I've got some small ones, but going overseas is a little more difficult right now. I'm curious what you envision for travel and uh, the impact that that can have personally, professionally, just kind of where you at with it. I mean, I love traveling. Traveling is like the reason why I want to start an online business was so I could travel. That was it. When I went and quit my job in 2012, the thing that actually opened me up to traveling though was Cutco because we used to get trips all the time, right? So we had trips that we could go on and, you know, we went to, you know, Mexico a few times, the Czech Republic. And the first time I went overseas, like overseas was to Prague for that trip. And it was, you know, 2008, I thought something like that. And it opened me up and I was like, wow, this is incredible to be able to go and see such a different culture, see so many different people and the way that they act and the food and all of that. And so for me, when I quit my job in 2012 and backpack Europe for three months, I was like, I love this. I love this. This, this lights me up inside. And I was like, I want to be able to travel any way I can. And then I went back moved to Austin, got a job and realized, oh, I only get you know 15 days of PTO. Like I'm, That's not going to be enough for me. Uh, and so I was like, I need to figure it out. So then I really just started researching all of the ways you can make money online. And so I saw these ways and I saw this way and I saw this way. And then I started going to this, this thing in Austin called Internet Marketing Party, where it's just a bunch of people who are on the internet and they just make money in different ways. And so I started going and talking to them and I was like, oh, I can really make this a, a thing. And so as my business, as I left the business uh, company I was with and I started my own business, Started in 2015, but then in 2017, I had built it to be stable enough that we could leave. And so we left and we went to uh, Europe. My girlfriend and I, we left for, for six months. So we went, we stayed about three and a half months in Italy. We were all over. Then we went to Amsterdam. We went to uh, Spain. We went to Croatia. We went to Thailand, to Bali, to Dubai. We went all of these different places, but I ran my business the entire time. And the cool thing about it is, when I was there in 2012, I was like, how can I make money and then quit and have enough and then come back and get another job and then quit and then make enough to be able to keep saving? And, <laughs> and I thought it was going to be like this, make money, don't make money, make money, don't make money, make money, don't make money. But what's cool about it is that I was able to set my entire life up with all of my coaching calls to do them at night. And so literally what, what Lauren and I would do is we would go to a new place, we would explore all day long, and then we would work from like literally 4 p.m. to 10 p.m. And we work for six hours every single day. And I do all of my coaching calls there. I would do my videos. I'd plan. I still did videos. My first me like mega viral video was our very first week in Rome. And that video did 50 million views. And I was like, oh, I can do all of this while I'm still traveling. In fact, there might even be more of a draw while you're traveling. Right. Because you're more open and you're more creative. Yeah. And like life just, you know, you feel better. And when you feel better, you show up better. When you show up better, you do better better, make better business decisions. You, you know, make better content, whatever it is that you're doing. And so for me, it's like, I think that for me, travel has made me a better content creator. It's made me more empathetic to what's going on in the world and other people that are around me. And so for people who don't have a way to travel and it's something that's their passion, they should absolutely figure out a way, whether it's their own business or getting more free time or working through Zoom and, and being able to do it. But uh, we've been kind of hindered with the traveling this year. I haven't left the country for the this, this in the past 12 months. Like that's crazy. That's not normal for me in any sort of way. But literally yesterday, one of our friends who lives in Rome, he's over in Hawaii right now, spending time in Hawaii because they're still on lockdown. And so literally he's giving me like the week by week when Italy's supposed to be open, right? And he's going to go back mid-May. And I was like, maybe I'll meet you in mid-May. We'll see if it'll work. And so for us, as soon as Italy opens back up, like we're gone. Because Italy is the place that we always... We spent at least, except for last year, a month every single year over in Italy. And I think to be able to to be able to leave and go somewhere different is something to look forward to. And it makes you more creative when you're there. But when you come back, it also helps you appreciate where you live as well. 
Certainly. And I cannot wait for Italy to open up. It's one of my favorite places to yep. go. In fact, one of my favorite wine experiences I've ever had is out there yep. at uh, Torciano, Tenuta mm-hmm. Torciano. It's just an unbelievable organization. We've brought them in. We've done, we've had them host. Actually, you came over for... Uh, no, I was out of wh- town that time that you did it. Oh, you so missed next time it wine event. I remember you we telling them me about it though. Come into town and just yeah. do this amazing wine tasting yeah. with like 15 different bottles of wine. Yeah, it's crazy. And uh, with truffle oil and pepperoncini oil mm-hmm. and just, it, it was unbelievable. So I'm a huge fan of Italy. In our last trip, when we went abroad, we spent three weeks in Italy. We mm-hmm. actually brought our babysitter out with us so that we could get time away and nice. you know, kind of have date nights and, and stuff like that, my wife and I. So uh, I just think that that's so cool. And like you, I'm ready. Yeah. So I feel like this is the longest stretch I've gone since I've been an adult mm-hmm. that I have not left the country. Now, yeah. being in Puerto Rico... It's, you know, it's U.S. territory, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm out of the intercontinental USA, but it's yep. still part of the USA. So yep. It counts, but doesn't count, yeah. I guess we could, we could try yeah. to say. That's right. That's yeah. right. I, I'm trying to help it make it count, so yeah. that way I don't have to say I took a full year of not leaving yeah. the United States, but it's kind of part of, part of the United States. So yeah. anyway. Well, that is another benefit, too. So one thing I didn't say is even not having to leave the United States, so people who are like, I want to still travel... When COVID hit, we were in Sedona and we stayed in Sedona for four months just so we didn't have to come back to town and stay more away from people and all that. So it's like people don't have to leave the country if they don't want to. If they want to be close because, you know, maybe one of their family members has a something that's that's worried that something might happen and they don't want to leave the country because they don't want to be 12, 13, 17 hours away. You know, the cool thing about having your own business or setting up your lifestyle the way that you want to, like you're talking about is you could literally go, you know what, I'm going to go and, you know, go to Sedona for a month. I'm going to go to Colorado and, you know, ski for a month. You can do all this stuff or go for a couple of weeks when you decide to set your life up that way. But what it comes down to more than anything else is what I would assume. And one of the biggest things of being a lifestyle investor is to actually be intentional. Like what the hell do you want? First off, like most people don't know what they want. Put it down on a piece of paper. Like what do you want your life to look like? There's no reason why your life can't be that. The only thing that's restricting you from being there is you thinking that you can't be there. That's the only thing. So I think that you know it's about waking up and being intentional with a lot of the stuff that you do so that you can build a life that you want and be free from the, the rat race that so many people are stuck in. Totally. And here's the thing. People get really clear on what they don't want. For sure. They just don't get clear on what they do want. Right. And it's fascinating. And then sometimes people say, well, I'm going to stop being an employee. I need to be my own boss because I need freedom and I need mm-hmm. autonomy and you know, I need agency in my life. But yeah. then their business ends up owning them and they 100%. work more hours and they're more consumed by it. And for a while, it's fun. It's a challenge. But at a certain point, that's not the case. And you end up being in it just it, it's still a rat race. It's a bigger nicer rat race. I joke with people like you you get off the the treadmill, this, you know, enslaved treadmill of having a boss and having a job and then you just get on a really nicer one like a Peloton yeah. treadmill. You know, it, it goes a lot faster yeah. and it's a lot more stable and there's, you know, more competition in it and there's just so many more ways to keep you hooked to it, yeah. but it's still a treadmill that's hard to get off. Yeah. And like you, I mean, I feel like there's so much perspective and just energy. And there's just so much about traveling that makes me a better person, Mm -hmm. makes me a more understanding and compassionate person, Mm -hmm. which I think is really important, uh, especially in a day like today Mm -hmm. and especially, you know, being married and, and having a daughter, having a young daughter. But we really had the most fun this past summer. We went to Colorado. We went to all the cool spaces in Colorado that generally people go in the winter. And we decided to do them in the summer. So we did Breckenridge and Vail. And we did, by the way, we did like every major cool place in Colorado. We had home base out of Denver. We hit up, you know, Boulder and Colorado Springs and Fort Collins. I mean, we literally hit up every cool place all along the way. Went to Steamboat. Uh, and then did a, a road trip all over Texas and mm-hmm. all over New Mexico. And it was just a blast. And so just because you you can't leave the U.S. doesn't mean that you shouldn't take advantage of all the wonderful yeah. sights and experiences the U.S. has to offer or yeah. wherever your country is, wherever you're listening. Yeah. And it's sad that people don't think that it's possible, you know, and it's it's sad that people stay locked into it. And what you said is a, is a really big point where 
I always say most people, most people want to leave their job so they have freedom, but then they get so locked into their job, they want to leave their jobs. They want to leave their business so they can have freedom. So they, they leave a job because they want freedom. They start a business, they get locked into it, and then they want freedom from that business. So they want to shut it down. So a lot of people, what they also do as they start businesses is they don't they don't tend to start businesses a lot of times in something that they truly love. Sometimes they go in it just to make money. And then they actually hate that more than what they did before because now they're locked into something, working more hours sometimes, doing something that they absolutely don't love. And so it's about finding what you love, doing that thing, but then realizing that the most important thing for me, I think, as somebody that that wants to grow their business, is as money comes in, don't spend the money on yourself. Spend it on getting more people in. Because when you start getting really good people in, that's when you're able to get freedom. And believe me, like when I had my first business, I ran it into the ground because I could not delegate. And most people who have businesses don't delegate. But the more that more money that comes in, the more you start spending in on more people and bringing in more people and bringing in more people, the more freedom that those people create for you. And we both have a lot of friends that have a lot of different businesses. The ones that I've seen that that love their lives the most and that usually are the most successful are the ones that trust other people to run aspects of their business and they don't micromanage them every single day. And they just like, this person's really good at what they do. Like when I bring someone on, I want them to see the my business and what they do in it as their business under my business. Like I want them to to literally see it as their business because then they have full, you know, autonomy of what they're doing. They love it more, but also at the same time, it's like the average person will look at what somebody does. Let's say it's sales, for instance. I'm I'm good in sales. I could hire a salesperson. I could probably do the phone calls better than them. Right. But if I have four salespeople, I can't do as many phone calls as them. So I have four salespeople on my team. So I might be better than all of them, at least a, maybe just a little bit. I could do all four of, you know, that'd be what, 16 calls a day, 17, 20 calls a day. There's that. I, there's no way I could do it time-wise. So my business has grown because I brought on the right people who see this as part of their business, their own business inside of my business. But there's a part of me, the micromanaging side that used to exist a long time ago, I'm like... They're going to do it. Like, Just trust them to do it. They're going to figure out. They're going to get better. And what tends to happen is when you give somebody autonomy, they end up loving their job a lot more. And one of the phrases that I've always heard that sticks with me a lot is that people don't quit their job. They quit their, their manager. And a lot of times that people quit their manager because of the fact that they're, they feel like they are constricted and they can't do anything. It can't be themselves and they can't create in their, in their role and their position. And when you do that, it does a couple different things. Number one, the best thing that it does is it frees up more time for you. And number two, the people tend to show up more. And that's what really matters. Yeah, there's no doubt. And you know something else really important that you said that I think is, I actually want to like draw some math to it because you know number one, you find people that want to go above and beyond the call of duty mm-hmm. based on how you hire them, right? right? So you're finding people with certain uh, personality traits, with, with certain you know, behavioral traits, and you can find people that are going to thrive in the environment that you want. But you made a really good point. And I used to do a lot of consulting and advising for companies to help them scale. And this is it. it it's what you just said mm-hmm. that uh, let's say that you can do something better than someone else. Maybe they're only 80% as good as you. Mm-hmm. And you could do it 90%, 100%, whatever it is. Yeah. Well, what happens when you really want to scale even outside of sales. You yeah. gave four, an example of four salespeople. Well, you're not going to be able to do what four salespeople do. Nope. So they can do it worse than you. And they can do it even considerably worse than you. But four people are still going to produce so a larger return, right? <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. The, the sum is greater. Yeah. Well, what happens then when you get to you know operations, mm-hmm. right? You can do operations where you're kind of managing all aspects of the business. Mm-hmm. But when you plug someone in there, maybe they do it 70% as well as yep. you. But that gives you the freedom to be able to be in or on your business, not in your business, not into the day-to-day, but thinking and, and strategizing. And so it's so powerful. Let's say you have five people that you bring in and they all do 70 to 80% as well as you do in that role, but you add that up and there's no way you could ever do that. There's no way. There's not enough hours in the day. Yep. And what you do is... And what I don't remember who said it to me one time, but we were talking about zones of genius. Like, to, and someone was like, "What are your zones of genius?" And I was like, uh, "I feel like I'm really good at creating content that people love. I just feel like that's something that I understand." And the second thing is, I'm really good at coaching people. And it came became very aware to me that in my business, as it grows, the only two things that I should ever do is coach people and create content. That's it. There is nothing else that I should be doing. 
And the more that someone gets focused on that, they realize when I stay in my zone of genius, I can then hire people that stay in their zone of genius, right? So like our stuff right now is being recorded through video, through mic, all of this stuff. And my videographer, Chris is doing it. Chris is way better than this that I am. Like she's better at it than I am. And being able to run a business where I focus just on this and be able to bring her in, her zone of genius is this. She's also obsessed with it. Like literally Chris is obsessed with this, right? Colors and all of this stuff. And like, that's her life. And that's the beautiful thing is that she loves doing this thing and creating in my business, but also outside of my business and getting better and better and better. And like we were talking about it, we were in the studio. I was like, she's really freaking good at, at lighting, right? And she's gotten better and better. And Chris will tell you, she's, she wasn't that great at lighting when she first started, but she's, she's improved because she's gone, I want to get better at this. I want to get better at creating content, right? So now our lighting looks really damn good in all the videos. I can't set my cameras up to look as good as they are because my zone of genius is, is creating content and, and coaching people. Hers is video, you know, making stuff look good. So that's hers. Then I have, you know, Dean, who's my director of sales, my best friend. He is obsessed with sales. I love sales. I'm not obsessed with it. Like I'm good at it, but I get tired of it if I do it for too long. He's obsessed with it. I'll tell you this. When he first came on, I was better than him at the position. He's way better than me. What's crazy about it though, is he's so good at it. He's gotten ridiculously good and trained our other three people that they are all probably, if I were to be honest with you, all four of them are probably better than me because they've been able to focus on those things. And by me removing myself from the actual day-to-day of getting those things done, it's allowed somebody else to go, okay, this is this is my zone of genius. I'm going to focus on this. Chris in video, Dean in, in sales for my coaches. So I have, I have Lauren and Abby who, who coach people that come into my courses and, and everything that I do. They coach them one-on-one and they help them that way. So so then now they're going and getting like heart math certifications and certified in like the way to listen to your intuition more and do all of this stuff that makes them really good at what they do. Then in my marketing, I have Jeremy and I outsource it to Jeremy because Jeremy is obsessed with marketing and putting click funnels together, making active campaigns, talk to click funnels. Nothing bores me more than trying to set up a page. But these people are all like masters of what they do. And the more full autonomy that they have allows me to have more full autonomy of what I do and not have to focus on those things. And the thing that I see most with most people is that it is really hard to delegate. And most of the time, it's actually an ego issue more than it's anything else. And it's, this is my baby. No one else can do it better than I can. But if you're going to completely scale, like we have 12 people on the team, I can't do 12 people's job, right? There's no way. It's time-wise, it just does not work. But when I let them do it, it'll freeze me up to then live my life and do the things that I want to do. And the more that I can do the things that I want to do, like travel, for instance, the better my content is, the better I coach people, the better ideas I come up with, all of that stuff. And I'm able to stay in my zone of genius and allow them to stay in theirs. And in turn, I feel like everyone's happier. You know, I feel like people love what they do a lot more than when there's someone that's on their ass, checking their numbers every single day. Tell me about this. Tell me about this. Tell me about this. This isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. And uh, and the business just seems more effortless that way, which was a beautiful part about it as well. That's awesome. Well, it's cool hearing your evolution mm-hmm. as a business owner and not just a content creator, mm-hmm. right? Because you've got both, but I can see a lot of your passions on in the content creation side. Yeah. It's neat seeing all the people that you have come into contact with that have helped you in this world. You mentioned yeah. Internet Marketing Party and yeah. you know David Gonzalez is a good mm-hmm. friend of both of ours and what a great guy. I just want to give him a shout out. For sure. And uh, it, it, it's just so cool seeing the way that you have grown and evolved and have just gone from, you know, one business to a completely different business and the success that you've had through and through, yet you are still this amazing, down-to-earth, humble, easy to hang out with, wonderful guy that, you know, I feel very privileged to call a friend. And so I'm just, you know, excited that we could share all this with uh, with the world and people could learn more about you and all that you have going on. For sure. I'd love to know who are some of your greatest mentors or teachers. This Mm -hmm. could be, you know, real life. This could be books that you've read. Who are they or what are they? So my favorite book ever is Think and Grow Rich. That was the first book. If you want to hear a funny story, actually, let me tell you this. Let me rewind it. So, so Saturday we had a party. My birthday was yesterday. So Saturday we had a party and I was sitting outside and I was like, all of my friends were here and I was like, man, it's, it's crazy. Like, you know, I'm 35. And so I was like, okay, I'm literally as close to birth as I am to 70 years old. And I started thinking that and I was like, man, it's crazy to think of like what what the life that I have created, right? Which life is something that we create. It's not something that just happens to us. And I was like, 
It all started because I was reading a book that John Berghoff told me to read. I didn't read. I never read. I didn't read in college. I didn't read in high school. I dropped out of college. High school, I did well, but it was just because I'm really good at memorizing stuff. Like I'm just, I'm very good at memorizing, which is why, like, I can tell you, I was in Starbucks for this. I was in Jason's. I remember every, I remember almost every detail, and that happens to be just a skill set. And he was like, "You should start reading books." And he he told me to read the five major pieces of the Life Puzzle by Jim Rohn. So I went and got it when all my friends were still here, and I went and got and I I literally like almost the whole book is highlighted and underlined and stars and all this stuff, and I opened it up and I was like, "Let me just see." Like if the universe has a message for me, let me open it up. And I opened it up and it talked about that literally the, there was a, a box, I, this huge paragraph. I, I literally took the entire box and I put around it and put a star next to it so I, and so I could see it. And it said, basically what we're talking about is like life is something that you create. It's not something that's just that just happens to you. But if you don't pay attention, it will just happen to you, right? And so I was like, man, that's crazy to think about. Like I remember reading this book, another part of me remembering where I was, I remember being in my Nissan Sentra the first time I cracked that book open, first book that I had read without ever being forced to read. And I remember I was in my Nissan Sentra outside of someone's house waiting for them to show up for a demo. And I started reading it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is good. This is great. And so like that was the very first, and Jim Rohn is, is Tony Robbins' mentor. So that was the first book that I read that was like, opened me up to books. Then I was told, oh, you should, you should rethink and grow rich. So I rethink and grow rich. And that was the first book that opened me up to success, whether it's financial success, whether it's relationships, any aspect, being, being a, a great parent, all of them have steps to being quote unquote successful or what would just, the success can basically just be good at it, good at business, good at relationships. All of them have steps to quote unquote success. And Think and Grow Rich made me realize I can do anything that I want to do. I've just got to figure out what these steps to success are. Doesn't matter what it is. No matter what it is, I can figure out the steps to success because somebody else has been successful in this thing before me. So if I can find out, you know, get their autobiography, or if I can get myself around them, you know, if they are still alive, or if there's, it's possible for me to learn about them. So for me, it was like that was the very first book where I was like, I can do whatever I want, which is not was not really normal for me as a child because I didn't come from a place where there were a lot of rich people around me or people that had money. So it wasn't like I knew wealth in what that looks like. But I was like, oh, I can get into it. I just wasn't surrounded by it at this point. So like for me, it was always really big. And then obviously Tony Robbins helped. But what's my biggest mentors for me now are actually really deep philosophers. So I went on a really long Alan Watts kick. I love Alan Watts. I love thinking really, really deep. When I can be quiet in like, you know, outside, it's just all nature. So I can sit outside and I can sit and think deeply. My best ideas come from that. And that's what I really like. I love the philosophical side of life. And so for me, it was like, I love Alan Watts. I, I've been on this for a couple of years, a Ram Dass kick. Like I love Ram Dass and just spirituality in general. I feel like the first 35 years of my life was very much like business and make money and do this. And now it's like kind of the transition of, you know, if that was the first 35 years of my life and I've got another, at least another 35, hopefully, what do I want those to be on? And it's like more of spiritual development and character development of who I want to be. And so I would say like, as of, you know, and then there's a lot of different mentors. I would say like Bob Marley opened me up to some different stuff where he was speaking different and talking about money differently. And I think that he kind of opened me up to different things. And, you know, there was also like music of music really opened me up to, as I listened to my music from high school, go back and listen to it. I realized that the music I listened to made me think differently. And the music that I listened to was never like anarchist type music, but it was always kind of like screw the system type music. Like Ben Harper would kind of talk like that. Jack Johnson, where he talks about, you know, the, the there was a song that talks about the, it's called Cookie Jar, where he talks about the people on the news and, you know, all of the stuff that's happening. And, you know, then there's like a, a John Mayer song where they talk about, they, they feed you, you know, they give you the news to make you think certain ways. And I'm starting to list this music and go, oh my God, the music that I listened to in high school made me go, I'm not going to follow the rules. Like the music kind of wow. brainwashed me to go, I'm not going to follow the rules because I'm not good at following rules. I'm not good at being told what to do. I'm real good when I have my own thing. And I like we've been talking about full autonomy of what I want to do. So I would say like there's so many mentors and songs that I've listened to and books that I've read and people that I've talked to growing up along the way that have opened my eyes to the world doesn't have to be the way that I think the world is. And I can create it to be whatever I want it to be. And so I think that a lot of people don't pay attention to the people they surround themselves with enough. I don't think they pay attention to the music they listen to enough because I really do believe in the fact that the words that we use, especially in our own heads and out loud, 
uh, will change the way that we think. And if I'm singing something out loud, that is a verbal incantation or affirmation. And so I'm starting to change the music I listen to and go, oh yeah, you know, I do like the beat of this, but I would never say that to a woman. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of music like that where I'm like, I actually don't believe what they're saying. Maybe I should start listening to music that I do believe. And as I started doing that, I started going back to music I used to listen to. I'm like, oh my God, I can see how these people were, you know, as my podcast is called The Mindset Mentors. These were kind of mindset mentors for me in high school. And I had no clue where I was like, I'm not going to follow the rules. I'm not going to care about this. I'm not going to care. I'm going to do my own thing. And once I started listening to that music, I think I kind of clicked out of the rat race from there on. And then went to college. I was like, I don't like this at all. And then I found Cutco and I was like, whoa, I can do my own thing and make as much money as I want. And I can be my own boss. I don't have to listen to anybody. This is amazing. Oh, I can open my own office with them. And then I went back into the rat race and I was like, no, this doesn't line up with who I am at all. And so I think that there's been so many different mentors along the way. And Rob, 10 years ago, would have been like, yeah, nobody's helped me. I'm completely self-made. I'm a, you know, seven years ago, would have been like, I'm self-made. Like I've, I've made all my money on my own. I don't, I don't understand what they mean when they say no man's an island. But as I get older, I realize every single person I've talked to, every single thing that I've read, every single thing that I've listened to, the music have all changed me in some sort of way to become the person that I am. And so I think mentors are literally all around me in my entire life. That's awesome. What a cool answer. And it, it's interesting to think about what music did you listen to and what influence did it have? Uh, because even when mm-hmm. you don't realize that it did, it may have, right? It's uh, a subconscious thing and there are trends and themes that you'll see show up later on in life. I think that's incredible. It's great recognition. And I, I appreciate you pointing yeah. uh, to that as an influence. And I, I've actually never really considered the lyrics of the music that I listen to, to be some of the mm-hmm. influencers or major influencers of my life. But I think that you are onto something. Wait till you start going <laughs> back and listen to the music when you were younger and you go, oh my God, like this has influenced me deeply. Why? Because I was saying it out loud to myself hundreds, if not thousands of times, right? Of, of all of these different, you know, like the stuff that I listen to is just a little bit on the rebellious side, right? It was never like burn the system down, but it was always like, you know, more of just a little bit like, hey, we don't like the way that things are going. We don't like this. And I'm like, I don't like the way things are going. That is true. Like, I don't like the government and the way that it's set up and the way that it, they treat people and, and all of these, you know, left or right doesn't matter to me, right? So it's like, I've come to realize that like every one of those things I listen to literally made me who I am. And men- so literally f- mentors are everywhere. And that's the beautiful thing about life. That is so cool. So if there was only one other thing that you could share to kind of wrap up our session here today, what would it be? The same way that I leave every single t- episode of mine, make it your mission to make someone else's day better. If everyone listening did one thing positive for one other person today, uh, it would make you feel better. It would also make that person feel better. And there's a good chance that that might turn into a chain where they help somebody else out because they feel better. So the same way that a virus can spread, as we can see over the course of this world, you know, and what's been happening the past year, same way that a virus can spread from one person to another, positivity can spread from one person to another. Also, negativity can spread from one person to another. So if everyone just goes, you know what, I'm going to figure out a way to do one good deed for someone today, I guarantee your day is going to be a lot better just by doing that. I like it. Yeah. And so... Motive matters. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing something for what you're going to get out of it, there is you know, an aspect of that. But at the same point in time, doing things because it's right or because you want to make a difference, you want to make change in the world, mm-hmm. like that is a great motive. And you're going to feel good no matter what the motive is. Like yep. It just feels good to help people. For sure. And on that note, I'd love to wrap things up with what I always say to our audience mm-hmm. here which is to take some form of action on what you learned today. And that action should show up in a way that gets you closer to living a life with financial freedom, a life that is by design, not by default, not by autopilot, but intentionality. And that's by taking one step closer, just moving in some way, taking some form of action towards a life of financial freedom. So thanks so much for joining today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Mindset Mentor is my podcast. And if you put my name anywhere on the internet, Rob Dial, R-O-B-D-I-A-L, it's going to pop up. It's on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You know, All of my stuff is... I'm everywhere on the internet. Just put my name in, you'll see me. And, uh, and the podcast is, is usually where most people end up listening to me on. 
I love it. Well, you've done such a good job that you can actually say that. Just throw it in. It'll show up. That's me. I'm out there somewhere. So <laughs> nice job. Well, thank you for your time today. Thanks, this man. has been a lot of fun. And uh, I appreciate getting a chance to do it in your home studio. You've yeah, got man. a gorgeous home Thanks, man. and an awesome property. I've got a chance. To, I'm just checking out the pool and the hot tub right you know, out behind you as mm-hmm. we're communicating here. And uh, what a fun environment to be able to create content in. So thank you for welcoming me into your home so that we sure. can do this. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming by. You're an inspiration, Rob. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Lifestyle Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. You can also leave an honest rating and review over on iTunes. Not only do I read every single one, but it also helps me understand what content matters the most to our audience. And if you can think of one or two people who could benefit from this episode, would you share it with them right now? Who knows? Maybe they'll buy you something nice when they make their first million. If you would like access to today's show notes, including links to all the resources mentioned, visit www.justindonald.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for listening. And I'll catch you next week for another episode of The Lifestyle Investor.